Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Steelers got a local new linebacker added to the roster, but what does that do for the linebacker room that has been the group that everyone said needs to be addressed the most by Omar Khan? We'll talk about that, the releasing of Anthony Miller, and how that impacts the wide receiver room and what's going on with the Pirates as they head down to play the Marlins in Miami. It's Chris Carter here, your host of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We've got Brian Bacco and Andrew Dessen. It's going to be a fun show. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can find all our content at post-gazette.com, but you can always find all of our YouTube and podcast content on your favorite podcasting app, but also on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, as well as our daily content that comes out from here. Episodes with Paul Zeiss, episodes with Noah Hiles, lots of different people that come on this channel. And as well, we now have Brian Batko, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, there's been some moves this week some lighter moves not like you know world breaking or anything but i want to wait, wait chris we've got a playoff game in pittsburgh football this weekend the maulers what are in the u.s the playoffs? playoffs they are host well they are hosting a playoff game in canton but canton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought i thought we were just going to spend this whole show talking maulers and their big breakthrough in 2023 pittsburgh maulers my goodness i did just see um also, like, I think their head coach this year is Ray Horton, former Steelers. Yeah. Distant, and his son, Jaron Horton, is the uh, defensive coordinator for the Maulers, and he was the USFL Defensive Coordinator of the Year. So shout out to a, I guess, extended member of the Steelers family. Well, well look, at, look at them. They play 8 p.m. Saturday. You can watch it on NBC as they take on the Michigan Panthers uh, com- coming up here. Uh, so that'll that'll be exciting. Check that out there. Um, on a serious note, we I guess we'd be remiss not to mention uh, Clark Hagen's former Steelers outside linebacker. Yes. Um, you know, died at 46 on Monday in Fort Collins, Colorado. Obviously, a guy who helped bring a lot of great memories to people watching this and our readers, longtime Steelers fans. And it was probably never never came up bigger than that Super Bowl 40 run. Uh, that was his yeah. best season as a pro and. Probably no coincidence that that was also a year that the Steelers got over the hump. So rest in peace to Clark Higgins. 
Indeed, uh, and it was a very touching note from Joey Porter Jr. called him Uncle Hagens uh, for uh, our Uncle Clark for all the things that he did for him. You know, Clark Hagens and Joey Porter Sr. Big, you know, were huge pieces of that Super Bowl 40 team for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was sad to see Clark. I think they were even roommates at Colorado State and then obviously went to play uh, together as bookends for the Steelers. And I I remember that now, like when Joey Porter Jr. was drafted and he was talking to us on, on the south side that night, he was mentioning some of the former players and he, you know, of course he brought up the usuals like uh, Troy Polamalu and uh, Antonio Brown, but he also said Clark Hagans, which, yeah, that's no surprise when you figure out how close his dad was with him. And uh, I think Hagans also has a son around Joey Porter Jr.'s age that mm-hmm. those two played together on the practice fields back in the day. So yeah, very, very sad news in the Steelers world this week, just, just 46 years old. Indeed, uh, that was very sad. Um, they're talking about that. But uh, let's move on to news about the roster right now. Um, and there was a move made this week. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, a linebacker from Bethel Park, a local guy, was signed to the Steelers. Um, Scott Nelson, the safety, was released. Uh, we'll get to the Anthony Miller release in, in, in a bit here in the second segment. But I want to focus more on this addition here because Kwiatkowski, he's a 30-year-old veteran. He's been in the NFL for years. He's bounced around quite a bit from like two or three teams. But, Brian, I look at this move, and this seems very much like another Tanner Muse type of addition here. Maybe an upgrade on Tanner Muse, but, like, this isn't a guy who's going to push for time for Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts. And if you're asking me, uh, that that still needs to be the biggest thing that, that's added to this roster right now because those guys are fine as, like, solid run stuffers, but they still don't have a cover linebacker. And I know they have Keanu Neal, who they'll drop down to help there, but – I still feel like they need another guy that's going to be the line before Kwiatkowski and Mark Robinson and Tanner Muse are being called into action with this defense. I don't know that you're going to find that guy at this point of the calendar, especially for what somebody like that would, would cost. And I, I just think the, you know, the type of player that you would land now, I mean, is he going to be a huge upgrade over what you have? Is he going to be somebody who's worth kind of stunting the development of Mark Robinson? I mean, I, I really like Mark Robinson, Chris, and, and I know that Terrell Austin sort of, you know, tamped down the hype about him a little bit the last week at, at minicamp saying he's, you know, he's really not in line to be a starter yet. And I, I didn't think he would. I mean, if he was, you don't go out and sign Holcomb, who I think they've, they've got pretty big designs on him wearing the green dot and being that communicator in the middle of the defense, all situations guy. I think Landon Roberts, more of that bridge to the next uh, player, but maybe that next can be Mark Robinson. And, you know, you have to love his athleticism as a former running back. You've, you've got to like, uh, you know, his ferocious, you know, ferocity that he plays with. Um, can he learn the defense enough to be, you know, your best coverage guy remains to be seen. Well, all we really saw him do as a rookie was be a downhill thumper at that spot. But uh, yeah, the quick Koski news, I think if anything, he's competing with Tanner Muse to be number four depth and, you know, top special teamer, and that's what he did last year in Atlanta. The Falcons didn't use him at all on defense. I got to say, if you couldn't get on the field for the 2022 Falcons, I don't love your chances of doing it here in Pittsburgh. But at the very least, cool story with a local guy who played at Bethel Park in West Virginia, getting a chance to go through training camp with the Steelers, assuming he uh, he makes it to Latrobe and sticks around for a little bit. Yeah, I feel you on that. But other guys I think they could legitimately look at. They brought in Quan Alexander. Nothing happened there just yet. I still think he would be a better option than that. I still think Deion Jones would be a better option than that. He's still a free agent, and he played pretty well for the Browns last time he played. And 
I, I still wonder, you know, people have brought this up before, but the potential of an Isaiah Simmons trade that, you know, down, down, somewhere down the line didn't get his fifth year extension with the Cardinals. They've been on a fire sale lately, lately, uh, lately with DeAndre Hopkins being now out, out on the market. Um, I, I just I feel like that is the one spot that if they can get and they don't have to be an elite cover linebacker, but just one who's maybe a little bit better than the ones they have now to give themselves at least more of a rotation with that with that group because as it stands like it, it, this reminds me of the 2018 Steelers of when they they tried to, they brought in John Bostic he was fine he could stuff the run but as soon as teams realized oh we should throw at him it became the weak point of the defense and it gave it led to some big problems for them down the stretch when they missed the playoffs that year and I'm not sure if it'll be that big of a problem with the other talent on this defense, but it could be a weakness that exploits this group uh, when otherwise they would be doing pretty well. It could be, and and I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I, I'm not sold on the inside linebackers. I've been saying that here. Mm-hmm. I've been writing that in, in my chats and my mailbag since the free agency period opened in March, but I just think that the Steelers obviously view them differently because guys like Quan Alexander and Deion Jones – could have brought them in. You know, they've, they've they been able been. to do that for a while now, and yet they they put their chips on on Cole Holcomb and Elandon Roberts. And I, I think, you know, more so on Holcomb, obviously, maybe we are underrating him to a degree because we just didn't see him out there uh, on the field much other than individual drills in OTAs and, and minicamp. And they did say that they would take him slow after that surgery that ended his 2022 season and his career, his tenure, I should say, with the Commanders. So, you know, I think in their ideal world, they trust that he can be that three-down linebacker in the middle of the defense, be a souped-up Robert Spillane, um, be a, a better kind of Devin Bush to, uh, to, to go. You know, we don't need to cycle all, through all the names that didn't work in that role. But uh, Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals, you know, that'll continue to be kind of one of those interesting little things to keep in the back of your mind. I guess mm-hmm. he's he technically considers himself a DB now. Is that what I saw out of Arizona minicamp? He's kind of like more of a, a nickel corner, but he's just a hybrid player. And, you know, he hasn't been great to this point in his NFL career. Maybe somebody like that needs a change of scenery, or maybe he's just the Cardinals version of Devin Bush, who, you know, they, they kind of bet on a fast, undersized linebacker, and it's his game's just not going to translate to this level. It certainly looks like that's going to be the concern moving forward. We'll talk more about the, some other moves that, they, that they've made along with the releasing of Anthony Miller and what that means for the wide receiver group here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We got Brian Bat going on to keep talking about that. But first, before we go anywhere else, I want to, tell you, to talk to you guys about our great sponsors, GameTime.co. It's a website that you can go to buy tickets for your favorite events and make it not stressful because GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your favorite sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You get killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat so that you can stop stressing about the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. The Game Time app allows you to book tickets even up to the last minute if you didn't plan out far in advance and it helps you, helps you find events. If you missed on it, they're still going to have exclusive flash deals up to the last minute, the day of, on tickets events for football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, theater events. All those are available in the Game Time app that you can download right to your mobile device. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you can find, go out and find tickets in the same section and same row for less uh, for the same event, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference on your tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off 
Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Brian Batko, bringing things down on the Steelers. Brian, the Steelers released Anthony Miller this week, and he kind of predicated with a thank you Pittsburgh tweet with a, with a heart on it. And everyone was kind of like, well, I guess that means what that, what that means. And now you see him leaving the wide receiver room. But Anthony Miller was a guy who last year when you guys were covering training camp, uh, that he was turning heads until he got injured and was out for the year. Um, and it seems like now he's never going to get that chance to really show what he was putting together last year in training camp. But you still have what I think is a crowded wide receiver room of guys that are looking to prove themselves uh, down, lower down the depth chart. We know the top four guys. It's going to be Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin. They're on the team. But guys after that, you still have Gunnar Olszewski. You still have Miles Boykin. You still have Hakeem Butler. You still have Jordan Bird. You have a lot of guys that are a very different in skill set. Uh, Olszewski, more of a route runner. Boykin, more of a special teamer. Butler, a big, fast guy that can go up and get the ball. And uh, Bird, who's the speedster of the group. What is your outlook on how this is going to play out with the how the Steelers want to use the bottom of their wide receiver group? Yeah, I was a little surprised that Anthony Miller was on the chopping block. I guess now, you know, I I didn't anticipate that he was at the bottom of the totem pole at wide receiver, let alone the entire 90-man offseason roster. But uh, I think it's, you know, probably partially health. You know, he just could not stay on the field. Uh, He obviously missed all of last season with that shoulder. They did keep him around, so it it told me that they were interested in continuing to do business with him to some extent. You know, he's an NFL guy. I mean, he didn't really get a chance to show it in games here. He only played once in – 2021, but it seemed like he was really building a rapport with uh, with Kenny Pickett. He already had it with Mitch Trubisky from Chicago. So, uh, if anything, Chris, you know, it tells me that the uh, you know Miller is only going to make this team as a pure receiver, as somebody who is going to help on offense. He's not a returner at this point in his career. I don't think um, late 20s. He's not going to go down and cover kicks and punts the way Miles Boykin or even Gunnar Olszewski can do. So the fact that they let him go. That could be a good sign for somebody like Calvin Austin and, and what he's going to be able to contribute here in year two after missing his whole rookie season. It could be even a good sign for somebody like Allen Robinson health-wise that they're comfortable where he is in his recovery. So if you're holding out hope that that Miller was going to kind of make this team as wide receiver five and you know be an occasional piece, you know that's out the door. But uh, it could mean good things for some of these other players who they don't feel like they need to have Miller behind them because they could have easily cut a Cody White or, like you said, a Hakeem Butler coming over from the XFL. But, you know, they want to see more out of him. Uh, they they clearly want to see more out of, uh, you know, the undrafted guy you mentioned, Jordan Bird, who I think he'll be fun to watch in training camp and, and in the preseason games. And I think, uh, you know, if you pay attention in Latrobe, I think the other offensive guys like to do a little bird call when he makes a play, like a little <laughs> So that'll be interesting. Uh, and he could he could come on as a kick returner. We'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, the Anthony Miller 
experiment uh, has has ended, and, and we'll see if it goes anywhere for him uh, in the rest of his NFL career. I, I it'd be difficult at this point, but uh, yeah, they're they're rolling with the rest of the crew there at receiver. Is the answer to to who's going to fill there? Because we also don't know if they'll go with five or six wide receivers. But is the answer to who's going to get the job there really who's going to help out on special teams? Because this is a, a special teams unit. They lost a lot of people over the past year. Guys like Derek Watt and Robert Spillane, guys who had been regulars for Danny Smith in the special teams unit, they're gone. And so they're looking for guys who can fill the void there. Um, whether you're a return man or just a gunner or a guy that's on kickoff coverage or, or punt coverage, I think those are really valuable roles. And I feel like that could have an impact who makes the five and potentially six final uh, receiver slots. Yeah, of course, that's a big part of it. And I do think they'll end up keeping six because, you know, you do you can use those last couple in so many different ways. And I, I think at this point, they've, they've got so much talent in that room that, you know, it's it's wise to keep some of those guys on the payroll rather than risk losing them on on waivers or whatever. You know, Miles Boykin and, and Hakeem Butler, they're probably competing. And, and I guess Cody White to a degree as, you know, depth receivers, but also gunners. They love what Boykin can do. He was arguably their best special teamer all around last season. I think that's going to be a big obstacle for somebody like Butler who, yeah, he's he's going to make some great catches on offense from the quarterbacks and in the red zone. But is is he going to do everything asked of him by Danny Smith? in those guys. So that's, that's tricky. Calvin Austin, you know, they've always liked what he can do. I think with the ball in his hands as a punt returner, will he also get that opportunity as a kick returner or could that be the route for somebody like Jordan Bird, who was really good at that at San Diego state. So that, that'll be a, you know, a puzzle that they have to figure out at receiver, you know, Gunnar Osheski, I guess he could stick around, you know, he's a good locker room guy. He's had been reliable on returns until that Patriots game uh, last year that, you know, they, they kind of pulled the plug on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think with, with Austin, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, they're going to be the guys that you see out there for the most part uh, in their personnel groupings. And those last couple spots, you know, you better do the, the dirty work, do the little things if, if you're going to make this team and even have a shot to stick around and score some touchdowns or, or get some targets. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Cause you're going to do a lot there. Cause here's the other thing. I'm not so sure there's going to be that many targets for the fifth and sixth wide receiver option. There might not be that many targets for the third and fourth receivers if you've exactly. got Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris lining up out wide. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. and, and you're running the ball a decent amount. Exactly. That's where, I, like, I honestly feel like the fifth and sixth wide receiver guys, you just better be good at special teams because you're not seeing the field unless there's like a rush of injuries. And and like, I just again, I just even in that situation, I don't think the Steelers throw enough this year to make it the that there because if you think about how many pass catchers they'll have Deontay Johnson George Pickens Najee Harris Pat Frymuth there's your top four and then you might even throw in if Darnell Washington or Zach Gentry become the number two tight end they might be the next guy in line before Hunter Hayward's probably their second best pass catching tight end you know you call him whatever you want right yeah he he, call him call him the x-factor you can just do whatever you want uh but uh but like again you're talking about five or six guys there on t- and then you're going to get eventually to the third wide receiver, let alone the fourth and fifth wide receivers. And that's where I'm just like, I think that, you know, everyone's going to be wondering, okay, who, you know, can Hakeem Butler do this? Can You, you know what? Hakeem Butler, Butler, Butler better learn how to block, better learn how to hit, better learn how to play on special teams. Because to me, that's how he's going to earn, earn his keep. And I honestly think that, like, 
you know, part of what you see, his his problems coming into the Steelers where he wasn't consistent with his hands, couldn't do to you. Know, he was really good when everything worked out. And there were times where times we were like, man, that's the prototype right there. That's what you want in a wide receiver. But the problem was he couldn't do it consistently enough. And he wasn't good at other jobs. So he was just taking up a roster spot to not be consistent enough to to do anything else. So uh, I truly think the answer to those guys wanting to make the team be a good return man or be someone who can help Danny Smith somewhere on special teams. And then when your number is called as a wide receiver, make some plays in the game. But I just feel like you're, you, they might get 10 opportunities all year with the way that this offense is, is probably going to work with running the football and all the other targets they're going to prioritize. All right. Now do we have time to discuss new long snapper Rex Sunahara and his op time compared to Christian Koontz? Or do you have to get over to Andrew Destin now? We could, if you so want to talk long snappers, we have about a we have sixty seconds. So hit me with it, Brian. Um, I no, I honestly thought you were just going to transition that it's it's time to talk Buckos. I've got I've got nothing on the long snap battle, <laughs> but you know, keep your eyes open in in Latrobe for the competition there between a, a Duquesne man and a West Virginia man. Ooh, that's that's a good rivalry to have. Who does Pitt root for in that situation? Duquesne, I think, for sure. <laughs> like, Pitt Duquesne's a friendly, it's you know, friendly, yeah. friendly rival. You know, they don't even play anymore in, in men's basketball. And I guess football, and I've, I've always thought it'd be fun for them to play each other, but it doesn't look like that's getting scheduled anytime soon. So, I, you know, th- those are kind of like uh, two, two factions in a Cold War there, whereas Pitt and West Virginia are very much at each other's throats now every year. Not to not to besmirch the long snapping position because it's a very important position when you don't have it and then you all of a sudden need it. But uh, shout out to my to my my old high school coach Don Schmidt. He was a great long snapper for Edinburgh back in the day. But let's switch over to to, to the Buckos in the sec. Here we got Andrew Destin, who's in Miami checking out Pirates Marlins and Ooh. seeing can can the Pirates bounce back. We'll talk about that here on the North Shore Drive podcast coming up next. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switched to Andrew Destin, who's on the road in Miami, you lucky son of a gun, <laughs> being able to just hang out in Miami. But who aren't lucky are the Pirates, who have now lost 10 straight with a disappointing loss uh, on uh, on Thursday night to the Miami Marlins. And a game that looked well in hand, they were up 4-1 in the eighth. They ended up losing 6-4. Andrew, what the heck happened, man? Like, I, I stopped even paying attention to the game, and then I just get that ESPN alert that I'm like, they did what? And I'm just explain to our, our viewers and listeners what did the Pirates do wrong here? Um, wow, that, that, that's such a such a place to start. Uh, well, first, <laughs> first you get a great start from Mitch Keller, right? I mean, the guy who's been your stopper all year long coming into the night. I think Pirates were ten and five and starts he'd made this year had an eight and three record. Keller's been your ace, right? Gives you seven strong, uh, only gives up the one earned run, which as Derek Shelton pointed out post game. Yeah, probably shouldn't have given up any earned runs. Uh, the only one that came around was a leadoff double in an inning, and then Rodolfo Castro bobbled an infield single and then a sack fly, right? That was the only run that Mitch Keller gave up. He was tremendous. The problem is, unfortunately, as I feel like I'm talking about every time I come on this pod, Chris, it, <laughs> it's the bullpen. Uh, Colin Holderman's out. Jose Hernandez is out. Uh, Rob Sestrisny is out. Uh, the list goes on. Johan Ramirez is in AAA now. They've demoted him for being ineffective. And so the options for Derek Shelton were few and far between, and he goes to Dowry Moretta, who for three quarters of the season has been tremendous. But now, after last night, 
Uh, it's three straight games in which he's given up at least two earned runs. Last night was three. And in the eighth inning, Shelton turns to him. Obviously, MLB rules. Now you got to face at least three batters. Well, Moretta did that, allowed all three to reach. A leadoff double from the nine-hitter, a walk, a single, loads the bases. Shelton turns to Carmen Majinski, the rookie who, um, you know, making his fourth MLB appearance ever, comes into a 4-1 game with the bases juiced, gives up a single, lead trim down to one, um, gets the next guy, and then Garrett Cooper uh, hits a three-run home run to put the Marlins ahead 6-4. to four. And that's all in four pitches. A single, he gets the ground out, and then a home run. That's it. Four pitches, it's done. All four fastballs from Majinski. The one that Cooper hit out was about a ball and a half, two balls below the strike zone. Didn't matter. Turned on it or flipped it to right center for a go-ahead shot. And that's how you lose 10 in a row. Um, <laughs> it's incredible how baseball operates like that. It's a long season, but... It feels really long for the Pirates right now is this bullpen without, you know, some of those names that I just mentioned. Uh, th- th- this is a limited cast. This is not the one that the Pirates uh, anticipated to be rolling with in June, certainly not the beginning of the season. And these injuries and the ineffective pitching uh, has turned to some new guys being used in roles. And, look, I like Carmen Majinski a lot. That's a really tough spot for a young guy who's just making his fourth appearance. And, um, yeah, just a, a – a, Really, a loss that hurts for the Pirates that feels a little bit more than just one L in the L column. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about with you next. They are now, they're still fourth in division because the St. Louis Cardinals are so bad, they had such a bad start uh, to their season, but they've fallen so far. They're now five and a half games out of first place in the NL Central. 10 straight losses puts them in, in, in a tough place. And the way they lost this game, this game just I, I, from the outside looking in, I went back and I look at this and I'm like, man, like, that had to hurt. Like that had to be a problem, and it makes me wonder. You know, I've seen a lot of the just sports across all leagues that losses like that can sometimes break a team, or or at least you know stun them and keeps and kind of ruins their focus for a while. What was your, what was your vibe when you talked to some of these players in the clubhouse afterwards? Well, I, I think it's just that it felt like more than just a loss, and I think you know guys who. These are baseball players, right? They understand the magnitude of an 162-game season, never get too high, never get too down. Guys were down yesterday. Um, mm. You know, Mitch Keller talked about it post-game about how he really wanted to get this one. Obviously, he wants to get every start, but he understands his role as, you know, the stopper for the team, the guy who comes through. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, back in May, was, you know, came through in a long losing streak the Pirates had then. I believe that was a seven- or eight-game skid that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that, stretching from beginning of a- uh, end of April to beginning of May. Mitch came in and threw a shutout against the Rockies, right? Like that was – Keller was trying to do that again. Um, and, and he felt the onus of this one. So I think you look up and down throughout the clubhouse, um, guys were pretty devastated. This is a group that just wanted to get on the bus, get back to the hotel, and try and figure it out tomorrow. Um, but I think they understood how this was a missed opportunity, given who was on the mound, what kind of performance they got out of Keller, and what this kind of means for the rest of the series. Because this is a good Marlins team. I mean, you look at it. This is a team that's right now in a playoff spot, competing very well in the National League East, one that, you know, has the Phillies, has the Mets, teams that have maybe underperformed a little bit. Uh, the Marlins have overperformed, even with a guy like Sandy Alcantara, who is an El Cy Young Award winner last year. He's underperforming, but the rest of the team is exceeding expectations. Um, I think the Pirates recognize that they really let one get away last night, and they're staring three more games uh, down their throats. Uh, tonight, obviously, Saturday and Sunday in Miami against a good club. So uh, this was probably their best shot at getting at least one win. It's going to be tough business the rest of the way. And 
Um, I, I think this team is just, you know, to kind of extrapolate this to the bigger theme is I think this team is starting to recognize that um, maybe that month of April was a little bit more of an aberration than we originally thought. Uh, after that 20 and 8 start, the Pirates, uh, 14 and 32. Only two teams in NL. Yeah, only two teams in Major League Baseball have fewer wins than them. That's the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland A's, each with 13. The Pirates run differential, if you want to go that far, um, minus 43. That's the worst in the NL Central. Uh, only two teams in the National League, the Washington Nationals and the Colorado Rockies, have worse run differentials. So um, I, I think, Ooh. as the law of averages indicate, you play enough games, eventually you start to recognize what team you are. <sighs> Things are not trending in the right direction for this team. Um, and I think everybody around around the club kind of knows that and uh, realize I'm, uh, I'm rambling a little bit talking about this club. But You're it's fine. Just the direction, it's just the direction things are going. Uh, there's no signs that point to this getting remedied anytime soon. And I think everybody is aware of that and is in need of, um, you know, something. Henry Davis gave you some some life yesterday with his first career home run. They're going to need more of that. They're going to need more Key Brian Hayes home runs. They're going to need Kutch back in the lineup uh, like he was last night. But Brian Reynolds is on the 10-day IL. Who knows how long he's going to be out. Um, things are not trending in the right direction. And it's uh, it's problematic if you're the Pirates, man. This is, uh, this is a tough time in, in Pirates land. It's a very tough time. And, and it's, it's crazy because... Like you said, we knew that April wasn't the real Pirates. It wasn't that was. There's no way that they could have sustained that pace for 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 long. But I don't think we saw them falling this far this fast. I thought eventually they would even out and that they'd be like a little bit under 500. Uh, and I mean, I guess they kind of still are. They're only six games back of 500. But when you lose games like this, it's it's a signal that I think more losses like that could be right around the corner and that this could be a further problem. Like you said, their stopper, Mitch Keller. That he gave them the performance that you wanted from him, and you and you still blew it, and now it makes you wonder how far do they do they fall down the rankings here, and how far does this does their margin from five from below five hundred continue to grow? Um, and, and that's what people were hoping this year's Pirates wouldn't get into, and that, that the veterans they brought around. But granted, a lot of the veterans that they need aren't you know available. You know uh, Brian Reynolds went on went on the IL list. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's been dealing with injuries. Carlos Santana's kind of been the guy that they've had to rely on. But they, this is a team that was supposed to be able to you know have some production for some of their better players. And Reynolds, even before he was injured, wasn't exactly giving them uh, the numbers that that you really wanted yeah. from him. And so I think that they're just in a tough position right now where. They, they have to find a way to just at least survive and get and kind of stop the bleeding uh, going into the all-star break next month uh, and then see if coming out of that, maybe they can at least get back to playing closer to 500 ball uh, and then hope that they get some, get like a run on something later in the year. Again, this is the team, and I've been saying this all along, this was not a team that we were expecting to actually be a playoff team even when they were leading a bad NL Central division. But this was a team that, that a lot of us were hoping would be the signal that, hey, something better is coming around the corner, like the 2011, 2012 Pirates before they went on the runs uh, in, in the last decade or so. Um, it was that the, the signal like, hey, there's a young core here and they can, they've learned how to, how to win through these tough moments. I'm not so sure that this young core is going to learn too much if they just keep tanking the way they have the last two months. Do you see any potential for something like that coming, maybe not like right now, but the, the talent that was here, if guys can get healthy, if they can get back the right people, is there something for the Pirates to kind of fight for to make this season uh, not a lost one uh, if they continue on this trajectory? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a couple of ways to go about that, right? One is you wait until the injured guys get healthy and a couple other names to throw out there. I mean, one, G-Man Choi, he, if there was any good positive injury news that the Pirates got, it's that he started a rehab assignment last night in Altoona. Um, that's expected to probably be about a five to seven game rehab stint. Uh, hypothetically, no, you know, nothing confirmed there. Um, but he's been out for over two months with that left Achilles strain. So yeah. you're hoping that his bat returns to the lineup, provides some power, provides some juice there. So that's one thing you point to and say, okay, well, that can help a lineup, help Carlos Santana take some stuff off his plate. But eventually the conversation has to turn to when do you let the one guy, the young guys go? When do you yeah. call up, when do you call up the Quinn Priesters? When do you go to Nick Gonzalez? And that's not me trying to feed into the concept of, okay, well, the season is lost. But I think that goes to the point of the first two months, the thought was, okay, get it to June, see what the young guys can do and let them feed, let them eat. Um, I think we're starting to trend closer to that conversation. Um, and we've seen it with Henry Davis, right? I mean, the Pirates for a good majority of two months, were trying to get him as many catching reps as possible. They gave him those, but eventually got to the point where it was, okay, we're going to you know, address the catching, improve that at the big league level without it necessarily being game repetitions. We just want his bat in the lineup because the bat is big league ready. I think the conversation becomes at what juncture – is it time to get some of those guys in AAA, whether that's a Nick Gonzalez, whether that's trying out a, a Jared Triolo at shortstop where they've gotten him some time. Um, you know, he's a natural third baseman, but obviously blocked there by Key Brian Hayes. So it could be elevating either Gonzalez or Triolo. Um, you know, maybe it's just holding out and waiting until O'Neill Cruz comes back. I don't know what the right answer is, but the mm. thing is that there are questions that can be asked and I think will be asked. And for the Pirates, it's figuring out how do you address those issues over the next month or two uh, leading into that trade deadline. And also, how do you approach a guy like a Rich Hill, right? I mean, you know, a month ago we're having this conversation. It's how do you get another Rich Hill, right? How do you get another veteran starter who can be a back-end guy that consistently gives you five, six innings, two earned runs, three earned runs? Now the conversation becomes, are you dealing him? Are you moving him? Are you moving a Carlos Santana to a contender that wants a veteran bat at the corner who can play pretty good defense, as we saw last night? I mean, he's done that all season, but I think Yesterday was representative of what Santana does provide in terms of first base defense. Um, that's all to say that there are some conversations and some decisions that uh, general manager Ben Charrington and the Pirates uh, franchise as a whole kind of need to make here pretty soon because the trade deadline is looming. It's that's coming, coming, yeah. Yeah, a little over a month. Uh, it's decision time. And I think this team is kind of starting to show you what it is. Uh, obviously, being six games under 500, this little stretch here, um, you know, this road trip, the quick homestand, and then the series out in Los Angeles against a very good Dodgers team and similarly against a very good Diamondbacks team. I think after that point going into the all-star break and then starting it up with the Giants coming into town in Pittsburgh, we're going to get a really idea, really good idea real soon of what this Pirates team is and what those next steps are going to be. It's kind of holding pattern right now. Just kind of hang tight and see what you have. But man, it's uh, it might be pretty soon to let the young guys eat. It's just a matter of when they are ready and who those guys are, whether that's addressing the pitching help or getting a few position players up here. I hear you, man. I really do. And it's uh, it's a position where I think Pirates fans are hoping to not be for the first time in a while. But 
They are very close to being that. We'll keep track of that here. Andrew Destin, he's on the road covering the Pirates four-game series against the Miami Marlins in Miami. Jason Mackey is back home, uh, as and, and they will be continuing their tag team coverage of the Pittsburgh Pirates and how, and how things continue to go for them. Thank you, Andrew, for, for all your great coverage. Get all his coverage as well of all of our coverage at post-gazette.com, covering all things Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh sports. I'm Chris Carter, host of the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks again for tuning in with us on a Friday. Everyone, thanks also to Brian Batko for talking Steelers with us. We'll be back Monday with more on all things Pittsburgh sports, seeing how the Pirates did in Miami and how things are looking for the Steelers as they continue through the offseason. All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll see you Monday where we resume the show after the weekend. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.